Hey sinners, Serotonin here, just dropping in with a quick intro. This podcast was originally written and recorded for Spotify, where I'm able to embed some ripper tunes between segments to support the topics, new releases, or particular artists which are discussed. This version has been adjusted to allow sharing on alternate platforms and unfortunately won't include those tracks, which might make my silly segues and transitions just a little bit strange. If you would like to be able to check out the songs that were intended to be part of this episode, jump through the Sin and Steel link tree to the songs from the Sin and Steel podcast playlist, or see the track listing in the description of the episode. Hello and welcome to Sin and Steel, the heavy metal podcast. I'm your host, Serotonin. And given that we just did the main episode for last month, I'm switching this month's running order. So we'll be back with September's main episode in a week or so. Instead, for today's episode, we're going to play Are You Metal? Testing your knowledge on all things heavy metal in four rounds of trivia. For round one, as always, we're talking metal in pop culture. Round two, we take a look at a particular subgenre, which for today is doom metal. And round three's special topic is don't quit your day job. For round four, we'll be traveling back to heavy metal in the 80s. Today's episode is packed with tracks from artists such as Masterplan, Enciferum, Black Sabbath, and more. If you're playing competitively, go get yourself a pen and paper, designate your teams, and have somebody ready on the pause button just in case you need a little extra time between questions. Otherwise, sit back, listen in, and see how well you do on your own. But first, let's take a visit to the Headbangers Ballroom. That was Masterplan with Headbangers Ballroom. Now let's jump into round one, metal in pop culture. First up for question one, on the TV show Married with Children in 1992, an episode aired in which Bud and Kelly won a radio contest where their prize was a private house party with what thrash metal band? Who did they party with? Two, in the film This Is Spinal Tap, a commercial is shown for a compilation album, Heavy Metal Memories, featuring tracks like Sex Farm, Big Bottom, Tonight I'm Gonna Rock You, and Heavy Duty. Song titles are scrolling across the screen, and at one stage, Spinal Tap burst out of a picture of Spinal Tap, and in the background, there are clips of a man and a woman standing together, then out on a romantic date, then laying in a lounge room, ready to get down to business. What two musicians cameoed for these scenes? Who played that man and woman? Question three. What shock rocker made an appearance on WrestleMania in 1987 with Jake the Snake Roberts, spooking the referee with a real-life python? And for another wrestling-related question, question four. What well-known wrestler, currently with the company All Elite Wrestling, is the vocalist for the heavy metal band Fozzy? Question number five. What 2018 film, featuring Rory Culkin, depicts the life and death of Mayhem's Euronymous? 6. Anyone who listened to my last episode should be able to get this one, but who were the first rock band with their own video game? And question 7, the final for this round, what is the name of the metal band who impersonate and parody Arnold Schwarzenegger and his many characters? I'll be back, after this one with the answers. That was I'll Be Back by Austrian Death Machine, which is, of course, the answer to question seven, what metal band impersonate and parody Arnold Schwarzenegger? This was Austrian Death Machine. Question one, on Married with Children, Bud and Callie won a private house party with who? This was Anthrax, who played the song In My World from their 1990 release, Persistence of Time. 
Scott Ian has talked about the appearance very fondly, and in one interview where he discussed the script and the rehearsals process, he had this to say. There was one bit in the script where Christina Applegate, or Callie Bundy, she takes the hand of one of the band members and then walks upstairs with the band members to have sex. And it turned out this was going to be me. So of course I was super excited about the fact that everyone I knew was going to watch this on television. We rehearsed that all week, and then on Thursday we go to do rehearsal on the set, and the scene where she takes my hand to walk upstairs, it's not in there anymore. I asked one of the producers after that what happened to the scene with Christina, and he said, Oh yeah, well, we all thought it was funny, but she came into the office last night after rehearsals and said, I know my character's a slut, but she's not that much of a slut. My dreams of television glory were thrown out the window. <laughs> he also said that the band took David Faustino, or Bud, out to see Metallica while they were filming, and everyone got really excited to see him in the crowd. Apparently they were all kind of chanting, Bud, Bud, Bud. Apparently David got very wasted that night, and so the next day a producer came and told them that they can't take cast members out to metal shows anymore. So they got in a little bit of trouble for that one. Question two, what two musicians cameoed in the Heavy Metal Memories album ad in This Is Spinal Tap? This was Blackie Lawless of Wasp and Cherry Curie of The Runaways. Apparently Blackie Lawless has never been fond of the appearance. He's stated that although he had some idea of what they were going for, he didn't get to see the end result until watching the movie. And while others were laughing, he was not. He did not find it amusing at all. He's also talked about how the movie is just real life. Which, I mean, yeah, it's kind of based around real things that have happened to bands. But he compared the scene in which the group get lost trying to get on stage to an experience he had while touring with Metallica. He said that Metallica were already on stage, he could hear their intro tape playing, but Cliff Burton comes into his dressing room and is like, how do I get on stage? Blackie told him, truthfully, that he had no idea. He'd gotten there late, he hadn't done a sound check, so he didn't know how to get up there. So Cliff got a little bit flustered and responded with, screw you Blackie, before leaving. He obviously found his way up there because a couple of minutes later, Blackie could hear the bass come in even after the band had already started playing. For question three, we're looking for the name of the shock rocker who appeared on WrestleMania with a live python. This was Alice Cooper. Four was another wrestling-related question. What wrestler is the vocalist for the band Fozzy? This is Chris Jericho. And rather than just entering to the backing track that he would normally do, at the recent All Elite Wembley event, the band played live, while Chris sung as he entered into the ring for his match, which is pretty cool because now he gets to say that he's performed at Wembley. Question five, we're looking for the name of the 2018 film featuring Rory Culkin that depicts the life and death of Mayhem's Euronymous. It's Lords of Chaos. I watched this movie expecting absolute garbage and was actually pleasantly surprised. Yeah, some bits were a bit cringy, but they felt appropriately cringy for what they were depicting. And the guy who played Varg, look, he played him like a dickhead, which in my book is perfect because Varg is a fuckhead. <laughs> Definitely worth the watch. Six, who were the first rock band to have their own video game? This was Journey, and the second video game to feature a rock band was also Journey. If you haven't already, check out episode 10, The Game Is On, to get a good breakdown of the history of metal and video games. And for the last question of this round, we already answered this one. What's the name of the band whose whole thing is based around impersonating Arnold Schwarzenegger? Austrian Death Machine. How are you going so far? Are you managing to keep up? No worries either way, but we're going to slow things down a little bit with this next one. That was Black Sabbath with Black Sabbath. That brings us into our genre round, which for today is doom metal. This is a metal subgenre heavily influenced by the blues, 
that typically features slow tempos, low tuning, and aims to instill its listeners with a sense of despair, dread, or of course, impending doom. If we were to look at the prototype for doom metal, we'd be looking back to the creation of heavy metal itself, to Black Sabbath, who set the stage for the iconic sound and atmosphere of this subgenre and its other branches, including stoner metal, sludge metal, and the fusion in death doom, black doom, and plenty more. So question one, the band Rune Magic released what album in April this year? What is the title of this album? Two, what band are responsible for what has been called the Trilogy of Terror? That is the albums Come My Fanatics, Super Coven, and Dope Throne. What band? Question three, from what well-known grindcore band did vocalist Lee Dorian leave before joining Cathedral? Four, what country are Candlemass from? Five, what alternate name does or has the band Pentagram gone by? What other name have they used? And our final question for this round, question six. What Swiss band, originally playing a very difficult to define, blackened thrash with kind of gothic influences, moved heavily into the doom space with their 2006 release, Monotheist? Who released that album? Before we go through the answers, here's a track from Rune Magic's latest album. That was Rune Magic with Revocation of Spectral Paths off their 2023 album and the answer to question one, Beyond the Cenotaph of Mankind. Question two, what band released what has been referred to by their vocalist as the Trilogy of Terror? The albums Come My Fanatics, Super Coven and Dope Throne. This was Electric Wizard. Three was looking for the grindcore band from which singer Lee Dorian left before joining Cathedral. This was Napalm Death. Lee was apparently really active in the punk scene in particular back in the day. He was the editor for a fanzine called Committed Suicide and he promoted for bands. And by the time he was kind of doing the rounds with Napalm Death, apparently he was getting a bit tired of the punk scene and he wasn't really interested in the death metal direction that the band was taking. So he went off with Cathedral, playing doom metal, and eventually they kind of went more into the traditional and progressive rock. For question four, we're looking for the country where doom metal pioneers Candlemass are from. This is Sweden. Five, by what alternate name does the band Pentagram go? Well, this might have been a bit of a trick question. There's more than one. So there's Virgin Death, Wicked Angel and Macabre, which was used on their release Be Forewarned. They've also been said to use the name Stone Bunny though this was apparently actually used for the band Space Meat when vocalist Liebling joined them briefly. I think you should take a point for any and all of those that you got. And because I read a bunch of things saying that the band have potentially used some other names at some point, if you even made a name up, I think you should get a point for effort because fuck knows, maybe they used it. I don't know, just take the free point. And for question six, what Swiss band released the album Monotheist in 2006? This was Celtic Frost, and this is a ripper of an album. It still has some of those black metal and gothic influences, but it is very doom. So from this album, here's the song Ground. That was Celtic Frost with Ground. Round three is our special topic round, which for today is Don't Quit Your Day Job, looking at metal musicians and their other jobs, their side hustles, their qualifications, all of the things that aren't music. For question one, what guitarist before getting into music 
worked at a special effects studio designing creatures for movies like Jurassic Park, Terminator 2 and Nightmare on Elm Street. You can guess the guitarist's name, the band they're from or both. Question 2. What job has Dark Thrones Fenris held for about two decades? This is not their short stint in politics, but their legit job. 3. Behemoth frontman Nurgle is certified as what? We'll make this one a multiple choice. So he's certified as A. A private investigator B. A museum curator or C. A physiotherapist Question 4. Once upon a time, Tom Morello was keen to earn some extra cash to buy a hot tub. What job did he take on to pay for this hot tub? 5. True or false? Ensiferum's Sammy Hinka is a licensed nurse. And 6. Gull of Gorgoroth paired up with his modelling agent boyfriend in 2009 to launch what? What side hustle did he launch? We'll be back with the answers after this one. That was Ensiferum with Rum Women Victory. Question 1. What guitarist worked as a special effects artist on movies before they got into music? This was Adam Jones of Tool. On top of what was already mentioned, he also worked on movies like Batman Returns and Pet Cemetery. 2. What job has Fenrir's of Dark Throne done for about two decades? He's a postal worker. 3. Was a multiple choice. Behemoth's frontman, Nurgle, is certified as what? A. A private investigator. B. A museum curator. Or C. A physiotherapist. The answer is B. A museum curator. For question 4, we're looking for the job that Tom Morello took on to pay for a hot tub. And we know he's a man of many worlds. The different jobs he's done and places he's worked are vast. But in this instance, he was a stripper or an exotic dancer. He was performing with a mate at bachelorette parties and stuff like that. There's been rumours that his stripper name was Tom the Meat Swinger Morello. And unfortunately, these are false because that name would be fantastic. Five is true or false. Ensiferum's Sammy Hinker is a licensed nurse. This is true. He's also a kindergarten teacher. And six, Gal of Gorgoroth paired up with his modelling agent boyfriend in 2009 to launch what? A clothing label. He launched a clothing label named Winjo. And although he's a man of style, he insists that his involvement in this venture was purely financial. Before we jump into our final round for the day, let's have a listen to some Behemoth. That was Behemoth with Conquer All. Our final round today is looking at all things 80s. For question one, who contributed the guitar solo to Beastie Boys' No Sleep Till Brooklyn? Two, released in 1982, what Iron Maiden album was the first to feature Bruce Dickinson on vocals? Question three, when the PMRC, the Parents Music Resource Centre, took to Congress with the aim of getting parental advisory labels placed on albums they deemed offensive, what metal frontman took to the stands to speak out? 4. Dawkins guitarist George Lynch filmed his solo for what song on an active volcano? Question 5. What guitarist died in a plane crash in 1982 while touring with Ozzy Osbourne? And question 6. Poison released their debut album of what name in 1986? We'll be back with the answers after this one. That was Beastie Boys with No Sleep Till Brooklyn. And the person who contributed the guitar solo to this song was Slayer's Kerry King. 
He was supposed to appear in the film clip being pushed off the stage by a gorilla, but being the party pooper he is, he said that if anyone's going to do the knocking, it would be him. And so he refused to partake. Question two, what Iron Maiden album released in 1982 was the first to feature Bruce Dickinson on vocals. This was Number of the Beast. Three, when the PMRC hit Congress regarding music they deemed offensive, what metal frontman took to the stands? It was, of course, Twisted Sisters' D. Snyder. Question four, the solo for what Dokken song was recorded on an active volcano? It was the song Just Got Lucky. And only minutes after the final cut, there was an eruption and the crew had to scramble to get out and away. Five asked what guitarist died in a plane crash in 1982 while touring with Ozzy Osbourne. This was, of course, Randy Rhodes. The band had stopped to get a broken air conditioner fixed on their tour bus. And without permission, the tour bus driver, who was also a private pilot, took a small plane for a joyride. He took keyboardist Don Airy and tour manager Jake Duncan on the round first, and they attempted to do what they called buzz the bus, getting as close as they could to the top. Once they landed, they went up again, but this time with Randy and their makeup artist Rachel Youngblood. Apparently Randy was really terrified of flying, but he went up because they assured him that they'd just do a couple of gentle circles over the property so that he could take some nice aerial photos. But while up there, the pilot once again decided to buzz the tour bus, and on the third go, the wing clipped the bus, sending it spiralling into a nearby mansion where it went up in flames. Question six, and our final question for today, what was the name of Poison's debut album in 1986? This was Look What the Cat Dragged In. That was Poison with Look What the Cat Dragged In. How did you go on today's trivia? For a total of 26 points, or 29 with bonus points, how close did you get to being the ultimate metal machine? If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to and share the podcast, and make sure to follow Sin and Steel on social media. Check out my link tree to access playlists including songs from the episode, and to be directed to the Sin and Steel Redbubble store for merchandise featuring artwork designed by me. Thanks for listening in to episode 11 of Sin and Steel, Are You Metal? I'm your host, Sarah Tonin, and Sinners, until next time, stay metal.